Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. I am Alex Dunlap here once again with Byron Lambert, coming to you from a, a week off from the podcast last week as the flu and strep throat and everything else rampaged through the Lambert household. Byron, what the hell happened? Oh, my body was ravaged. It was uh, it was a long week, man. I wish I could call it a week off. I guess it was a week off. It was not the way as I like to spend my weeks off. Jesus. Uh, all hunkered, hunkered down in the infirmary in the detox zone around here. But nonetheless, it allowed me to knock out all the remaining free agent analysis that we had for our listeners here and uh, also – I've been able to start my deep dive down some of my own prospect um, scouting and analysis and ratings. So I'm excited to really get uh, down to the nuts and bolts of that before we head to the combine here. And I guess, what is it about a week, man? Is it a week? It's, it's coming up pretty close. We did get our, uh, we got our credentials. So we're set to go. I actually, this year they're treating the combine. Maybe the listeners will find this interesting. They're treating the combine a little bit different this year with the credentialing process. I had to go in after the credentials were approved. I had to go to the NFL communications site and provide like photos of each of us, um, our birth dates, our phone number, or not our birth dates, but like our phone numbers, um, our email addresses, all this different stuff, I guess that they're using to, because I guess they're just starting to, maybe credential so many people that I think they're going to start putting photos on, on these credentials. I had to go to your Instagram page and find some kind of photo I could use as a headshot. Cause I didn't want to bug you in the middle of when you were sitting in the throes of strep throat. But yeah, I don't know if it's like they're giving more credentials out this year or less credentials. I did notice that one of our uh, friends, I, I won't say who it is because I don't want them to think I'm calling them out or something here on the pod. But one of our friends who's always there at the combine uh, he's been texting me uh, over the weekend and then today saying he still hasn't gotten his in so or his approval. So I think that they're doing some different things this year with the whole credentialing process. It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully it doesn't result in a whole lot of long lines or any kind of new headaches whenever we get there to Indy. But it'll, be our, eighth, it'll be our eighth year covering it. And um, I'm certainly just most excited to get to those jumbo shrimp at, um, at the uh, Harry and Izzy's and at uh, what's St. Elmo. Well, I mean, you always walk in, you hear the Rick Goslins and the Shereen Williams talking about when it was 1987 and they were one of 22 <laughs> yeah. media members there. So we haven't seen the meteoric rise that they've seen uh, just exponentially over the years. But, but it's changed, man, this, dude. this thing's I mean, grown by 50% easily since we oh, started. more. They've had, I mean, more. Yeah. They've had to move it from Lucas Oil uh, Field to the convention center where it felt more like an expo last year. The media room has had to be expanded. I mean, the toilet, every toilet in that city is clogged downtown. <laughs> These fat sports writers, man. The, the, the sports writers, the people listen to and that they watch on TV, they don't realize what sloppy slobs they are in real life. Like, you see a guy on TV at the combine, even if it's a dude who's put together well, like, um, you know, looks like he cleans up well, like an Ian Rappaport or something like that. Like he's wearing a suit on top, and then underneath he's just wearing like sweats <laughs> and like <laughs> green shoes. green Nike Airs. I, I swear to God, man, people just don't get it. Uh, uh, but yeah, and and the sports writers, dude, you, you have you have not seen a more portly toilet clogging bunch than some than some of these fools with just Chinese food all the way down the front of their shirts. <laughs> just, I mean, it's definitely yeah. Uh, 
lots of lots of clogged toilets in downtown Indy for sure. But you know, somebody was asking me the other day about the uh, Mike's. Actually, it was on the SiriusXM show, the one you couldn't be on last week because you were at the. Uh, I guess the wedding that ended up it was the initial fallout and the sickness. Yep. Um, All precipitated produ- by a our wedding. Our producer, yeah, our producer Sandra was at, was asking me if I was starting to get fired up about that shrimp cocktail yet. You know, and I was like, "How do you know about that shrimp cocktail?" He's like, "Dude, like I've been producing you guys long enough to know how pumped up you get about that shrimp cocktail in Andy." <laughs> it's a good one, man. It's a good one. Yeah, for people who don't know, it's like. It's not really the shrimp that's so good. It's the actual cocktail sauce. And I think it's the, what is it that they get flown well, their, in? Their the, stick uh, the, is that it's the, a special horseradish root flown in from an organic farm in Oregon and that they hand grade it there in-house every day. And the truth is it is the spiciest horseradish and cocktail sauce that I've ever encountered in my life. And I love spicy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's spectacular. It makes your head explode when you take a bite of it. But, but um, it does in that the, good way, like it does with wasabi, like whenever it, you know, I yeah. mean, it clears the sinuses out and it's just, it's not the kind of jalapeno spice that just sits like an oil on your tongue and festers, you know, it like you get it, it kind of feels like it's just exploding your whole <laughs> nose out through your sinuses and then it goes right away. It doesn't linger. It's a real clean kind of spice. It's like a big, a big... Dose of like nose whiskey, <laughs> something like that. Um, nose, nose whiskey. I'll, I'll remember that one. Um, but yeah, so we'll be at the combine. We, of course, we'll be bringing you these podcasts from live at the combine, live at the pro days, everything as we continue forward here for all of Roster Watch Nation. If you want to support us, we don't have a Patreon page or anything as of yet. I think it would be a good idea to get one. I'd like to talk to Byron about that and have some special podcasts and things like that, maybe for our patrons. But the best way to support us and to show us that you like what we're doing and to enable us to continue giving you this content is to go to rosterwatch.com and get a pro membership. Um, if just a small percentage of you guys got a pro membership at rosterwatch.com, we would be rolling in the gold like, uh, Daffy Duck and all of those, um, or, or or is that Scrooge McDuck? Scrooge McDuck and Ducktales. Yeah, so that that would be us if just like if just like one percent of you guys got pro memberships at rosterwatch.com and it's cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee. So let us be like Scrooge McDuck diving around in the gold and go get a pro membership there at rosterwatch.com. With that, Byron, uh, you know I put up last week. I put up the tw- for our pro members. I put up the 2018. Wide receiver college production uh, model, the 2018 running back college production model, just as far as market share. We have Trashman version two of his trait matrix going up for the uh, wide receivers and the running backs. You mentioned you're getting to work on your personal model. I've been working on my personal model. By the time we get close to the draft, we're going to incorporate all of these things along with some other proprietary analytic data that we will be picking up not only through the combine, but also through the pro days. And once we get all that stuff together, we will have our final sort of pre-NFL draft prospect rankings. But we invite you guys who are pro members at rosterwatch.com to come check out these tools and sort of see the inputs that are going to be going into it as we're building them because it's a cool sort of look behind the scenes at our process. Um, with that being said, I'm not going to get too much into that here on the podcast, I don't think. I want to talk some about a couple of clusters on the best ball cheat sheet that I kind of want to iron out before we move to version 1.2 this week. And also, we have the NFC North uh, free agency primer that we want to get to. So, you want to kick us off with that? Or uh, do you want? I think we said that we were going to maybe just uh, talk a little bit of NFC West really quick. It was something that we covered on the SiriusXM program yesterday, so don't want to go too far into it, but you just want to hit a couple highlights from that before we move on to the NFC North? Yeah, I'd like to characterize something you just said, though. And I mean, I think this is quite a feat given how hard we've worked over the years, and most of our listeners know it. I mean, this truly is going to be the greatest confluence of off-season intelligence that we've ever produced. And I like the word confluence because you explained how it's going to be coming from the trash, man. It's going to be coming from our own personal models this year. This is the direction that Roster Watch is headed. It's getting more comprehensive, more robust, and more focused. And we're doing a better job of melding everything together. And we're going to show you the biggest version of it yet this year. It should manifest in the greatest rookie intelligence we've ever offered. 
And it's not going to be in the form of some kind of 5,000-word goddamn diatribe that you're never going to read. It's going to be an easy to, just like everything else, we're a tools company. It's going to be an easy-to-use tools, easy to kind of visualize tools and graphs and um, informative, you know, informative, like, you know, informational charts and things like that that are usable, that are functional, that, you know, don't give you a goddamn headache to even think about starting to consume. So um, certainly enjoying doing it and and hope you guys are enjoying that content up at rosterwatch.com. You know, that's funny. I had a a business-to-business call today where the other party on the phone – made clear to mention that from afar part of the reason they'd admired us and been fond of roster watch and our offerings is purely due to the simplicity of our offering and of our tools. So that's the light that we want to make it's sure good. we're doing yeah, everything it's good. in. It's, it's, it's good to hear. I it's love reckon- hearing about talk about business to business and I love hearing talk about people admiring roster watch. So let's hit the, We've done the free agency breakdown almost exclusively on the podcast. We ended up doing the NFC West yesterday on the SiriusXM show. We won't repeat that here on the pod, but I wanted to at least give the dynasty takeaways uh, right here on the pod for our listeners. Guys, as it pertains to the Seattle Seahawks, we're going to be, I don't want to say all in, but very tilted in the direction of Chris Carson right now in our dynasty leagues. I know Alex says on best ball, we're going to have massive exposure to Chris Carson. Uh, it's only CJ Procise and Chris Carson in the backfield in Seattle for now. Well, and my question is, how is Chris Carson going? How is Chris Carson going 20 picks in best ball leagues right now after you got the guys like CJ Anderson and Jamal Williams? I just think it's I think it's cockamamie. We've gotten 100 percent exposure to him in every test of this best ball cheat sheet, and I would like that to continue. Even though I'm, I think we're going to see his rise come quickly, but it's you know while we don't have it yet, if you can get Chris Carson in the you know what what is this? This is the eighth eighth round ninth round turn right now. Actually, more like the early ninth. We're going to get him in every single draft. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, to the delight of the disgusting trash man, it is absolutely time to start getting fired up about Amara Darbo, the Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, second-year wide receiver, and trash man special in our dynasty leagues. Guys, I'm not joking about this. I was at Seahawks training camp last summer. He looked like the real deal. He looked like a a, a perfect Seattle Seahawks wide receiver to be. And the opportunities right now, Paul Richardson is almost certainly gone. Jimmy Graham is a free agent. We'll see if he's going to be back. But right now, this is a Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, Amara Darbo wide receiver core. That puts Amara Darbo squarely on the radar as like the big X wide receiver and definitely a red zone target for this offense. Um, this is an ultimate. It's trashy. Off the radar, buy low in Dynasty, and even in redraft. We're going to be interested in Amara Darbo this year. I guarantee he'll be on the waiver wire cheat sheet. I guarantee we're going to draft him. I guarantee there will be times of the year we're talking about playing Amara Darbo in DFS. And this is a good time to go ahead and get him on the radar and be out in front of everybody else that you play with. Um well, just and just like I said on the series show yesterday, it, it goes to show too that you know during points in the season when we were charting the goal line, the goal line and end zone targets that Amara Darbo, I think even through week ten or maybe it was through week eleven, even though he was only like a nineteen percent snap participation guy on the season, he was second on the team behind uh, Jimmy Graham, not in red zone targets but in end zone targets. They like him down there. He's their contested catch guy. He's their go up and get it guy. Their fifty fifty guy. If there is no Jimmy Graham, it's going to be a lot of end zone looks for Amara Darbo. I mean, uh, as we're talking right now, I'm kind of just trying to think. Byron, do you like Amara Darbo at this point better than J.J. Nelson and Trent Taylor? Yes. I I don't I mean, yeah, let's probably it's close. I guess that's the right range. Yeah, do you like it better than so. do you like it better than Dontrell Inman and Brandon LaFell? I definitely like him more than those two dirt balls. Okay. 
All right. And J.J. Nelson and Trent Taylor, that, you know, that, that'll be – uh, I guess we're not segueing into it well, yet. Both seg- those guys are NFC seg- NFC West. It segues of, perfectly. Right. It segues to the Cardinals and the 49ers, and those are two guys that are on our list for the recap on this podcast. We'll start in Arizona. Similar to the Amaro Darbo situation, and this, this thing is squarely a Larry Fitzgerald, J.J. Nelson, David Johnson offense in Arizona. Chad Williams, the rookie from last year, what was he out of Grambling, Alex? That we yes. scouted at the Senior Bowl last year had one of the highest top speeds of the week uh, at and Mobile last year when we measured him uh, during that initiative. Look, Chad Williams is going to have a ripe opportunity here in Dynasty. Larry Fitzgerald doesn't have that much longer. JJ Nelson is in the final year of his of his of his deal. We'll see if he's back. Who knows? Steve Kime is about to have to start shedding contracts like a snake sheds his skin because he front-loaded these things. I mean, he he back-loaded these things big time. He's got a lot of contracts that he's got to reconcile, and there's a big a big remake that's got to start to happen here in Arizona. And a cheap, young wide receiver like Chad Williams is in a perfect opportunity to start to benefit from that, especially in Dynasty. You know, we'll see what happens this year in redraft, but you got to say the next the two-year window for Chad Williams – Looks good right now in Arizona. Um, we'll make sure to snoop around that uh, when we're at the combine. We'll, we'll certainly be asking Steve Keim about Chad Williams. And then as that related to the 49ers, uh, guys, we want to make sure that you understand the 49ers might sign a, 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 a wide receiver in free agency. I don't think they're going to go big on a Jarvis Landry just because they have so many other needs. They really do. And – you can't forget that they have Trent Taylor and George Kittle in the middle. And why do you need a Jarvis Landry if you've got those guys? Trent Taylor was quicker than a hiccup at last year's Senior Bowl. Dave Gettleman loved him. We he, he could be a little bit of a PPR machine with a Jimmy Garoppolo and a Kyle Shanahan. Well, people uh, talk about him like, you know, it's like Jimmy Garoppolo's new Julian Edelman or one of his new little uh, Danny Amendola's or something. Trent Taylor is a very good player. He catches the ball well. He's always open in short space. He's it, 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 he's really he was in- a, he was a he was a dude as a college player. He wasn't just good. He was a dynamic game changing force. Yeah, he was a nightmare. Trent Taylor is a player roster watch has always liked. He's good and he's in a good situation and he's going to be pretty good as it relates to PPR. And then you guys know we've always liked George Kittle as well since we met him at the Combine last year in what was an exceptional tight end class. George Kittle was a huge sleeper and we saw him. We saw that manifesting there in spots down the stretch in the season. George Kittle is a beast and he's got a real shot to be a monster like I love buying low on George Kittle if I need a tight end in Dynasty. It's a smart, smart move. And he, he he's gonna be a sneaky guy in redraft this year, Alex. So um we just want to make sure that from the NFC West a recap that those were the guys that our listeners knew uh that was like the main fantasy takeaway or dynasty takeaway was that kind of that group of guys right there. From the Rams uh there wasn't a whole lot. Josh Reynolds, big time on the radar because it's well, there was a Sammy. There was a Sammy Watkins yeah, talk. Well, I, I just I don't know if I yeah. don't know how much we want to get into it, but I'm not sure that he's a guy who you can afford to have back. Yeah. Um, given how they, given what they're going to have to pay, you know, they're going to have to pay Aaron Donald soon. They're they're going to have to do a whole lot of stuff. It just doesn't seem to make too much sense to pay Sammy Watkins what would be 16 million bucks. But I do think that. Because you know, the Josh we, Reynolds is the thing yeah. to, to key in on there. Sammy Sammy Watkins could be a really good player for somebody. I'd love, man. I mean, he's only twenty four years old. Isn't that hard to believe? I, I mean, he still has a lot of football yeah, and ahead they of might, him. Look, I, if you're the Rams, you want to keep Sammy Watkins. You just can't go to all lengths to do it because he's an unnecessary part of that offense, giving everything else that they've got. So. It, it's fast. They basically gave up a second-round pick for him. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, God, it'll be interesting to see if they could possibly franchise a guy like that. It just doesn't seem like it. So if he if he doesn't come back, Josh Reynolds' fantasy stock goes astronomical through the stratosphere, guys. I'm not fucking kidding about that. So 
keep a close the only, eye on The it. only concern that I have about Josh Reynolds is if he was playing that Sammy Watkins role, he's still going to be Jared Goff's third read. And will Jared Goff get to those third reads? I don't know. I think it. I think he looks at Woods. I think you know he looks. I he looks at Woods. He looks at Cup. And then if he can't get to either of those guys, he looks across to the. He looks across the formation over there to the X wide out. So, I don't. I, I certainly think it's going to be a lot better for <laughs> Josh Reynolds than it was this year. And I think he could have those big blow up games. But I think for in order for him to have those big blow up games, they're going to have to come in. Um, in, in in conjunction with Jared Goff growing more as a guy who can yeah. progress through through those reads, which is something that's probably bound to it's happen. It's going to happen. And yeah. here's the thing: in redraft, I get it, but in dynasty, I love knowing like I have Josh Reynolds for five years with a Jared Goff. That's going to get sick. Eventually, that's it eventually will. He, going to get yeah. very sick. Yeah, and you know we'll see. Will Sammy Watkins come back on just maybe like a short term, couple year? kind of deal I, I don't know what's out there for him to be had um but josh reynolds is obviously the guy uh, to watch there so yeah you want to you want to move along to the nfc north alex let's do it okay so these numbers maybe you can spot check me here as we go these numbers were pretty much all of us la- uh, as of last week before we got besieged by the flu around here and couldn't do the <laughs> podcast uh, the Minnesota Vikings at the top of the list uh, with about $50 million in cap space. Uh, they were number seven in the league in cap space um, as of very recently. Obviously, you know, I've been saying for a month now that the Vikings quarterback situation was one of the biggest stories of the offseason. Uh, it had been pretty quiet on that front until the last few weeks. It's an interesting puzzle to figure out. You know, it, it, it's hard to see them replacing a – uh, it's hard to see them going with a Kirk Cousins to me. I just I have a hard time buying that. What do you, do you make of every? What do you make of the of the way that people are pontificating, <laughs> I guess pondering online, um, about the idea that Kirk Cousins has said, uh, you know, and Peter King wrote especially that. Kirk Cousins has some criteria. He wants to play for a team that's a winner, a team with a good. Um, a good defense, you know, preferably a good offensive line, all those things. It seems like given everything that he would want, you know, a team that's a winner, a team that can win now, a team with a really good defense, it seems like Minnesota would make a ton of sense, but they just I, – I don't know if it's um, – I just – You know, Minnesota's got three quarterbacks that, are, you know, people are going to want each each one of those guys, and they have some – they have a couple of these guys that they're going to have to pay. I'd say most specifically they, they got to get something done with Anthony Barr for sure. I don't know. It's, well, uh, so the way that I see it – so basically they're down to Teddy, right, because Keenum's a free agent, Sam Bradford's a free agent, and – the way I see it is, is just that Kirk Cousins plays for Team Kirk Cousins. More than, that's the team he's most interested in. Is a team that has big, big dollars for his bank account because that's what he's done the last two years. Is play for strictly for money, and I don't see why that's going to change. Uh, so the Vikings certainly have it. My opinion is just that I don't. To me, Kirk Cousins is not a clear upgrade over Case Keenum, and so for a team in this situation, I don't. They would. It would make sense to me they would bring back Case Keenum for cheaper before they would bring back a Kirk Cousins. And then you say, okay, of this, you know, kind of six team love love octagon or hexagon that's going on with all these quarterbacks, all these uh, quarterback needy teams right now, you say, okay, could it be an AJ McCarron for the Minnesota Vikings? You know, I'm not immediately that warm to that, but you can talk me into that one making more sense if they if they have a clear evaluation internally that AJ McCarron is a a better quarterback than Case Keenum and fits the profile of what they want out of their quarterback more and they like him in a competition with Bridgewater then I can I can buy that and I actually you know us we think McCarron's good I'd actually really like like that signing but you know the Vikings they're not going to be one of these teams drafting a quarterback and so what, you know, what do they really do? To me, I mean, what are they doing? Are they bringing back Case Keenum? Are they rolling out AJ McCarron? I mean, do you want to do you want to pay Case Keenum on a big deal that averages 21 to 23 million dollars a year? I I don't know. Can he I don't think he can get that. 
I, th- I, I think he, he's certainly going to get more than $20 million a year. I don't know what they're going to do with the guarantees, but he's certainly going to get more than $20 million a year. We can yeah, bet so Jimmy John's exactly. sandwiches so on what it. are what are the guarantees? What's the length of the contract? If it's for a couple years, I think they can live with it with a Case Keenum. I, I think they don't want to do some mon- monster version of that with Kirk Cousins. Similar quarterback, not too dissimilar in age. So, yeah, I think that's a l- realistic situation. Or you go for McCarron, who's going to be maybe a little bit cheaper, uh, but an, an unknown commodity. So, you know, what's the most likely situation? Is it Case Keenum and Teddy Bridge? You got to remember, they got Bridgewater there, too. So, you know, are they going to have an open quarterback competition? Yeah, I'm. You know, are they yeah, prepa- I, are they prepared to move forward with Bridgewater and a quarterback in a second round of free a second wave of free agency or a somebody in the draft? I don't think that you can go from having a basically a a, a treasure trove of court not a treasure trove but I mean a quarterback situation where you have three quarterbacks where ten teams in the league would like to have any one of those three as starters and go from a situation like that to a situation where you're going to have Teddy Bridgewater and some retread or some draft pick battling it out. That seems like mismanagement of, of the, of the assets that you had on the roster well, do you, do last you keep- year. And I, under, and I, and I understand that you're gonna to have to pay up for either Bradford or for Keenum for over, over 20. I think you're gonna to have to pay McCarron over 20. I, and I don't think it's, they're going to, how, many, how much do you, would, you, how much do you think Bradford's going to command? That's what I was going to ask. I mean, do you, do you consider over 20? Keen- you think so? Yeah, I know. So, Oh, that's just disastrous. Yeah, I don't know what's going to be with guarantees, but I can, I can guarantee you it's going to be over $20 million per yeah. year. Well, that's it's just, it's just going to be. Gonna it's going to be McCarron, Keenum, or Bradford, whoever they can get cheapest to come in and compete with Teddy Bridgewater. Unless, that- unless they have an internal – unless they're – Unless they're feeling really good about Bridgewater, maybe they just roll with him and they go sign a, a backup veteran. Nonetheless, yeah. nonetheless, I don't. I mean, it's not going to be anything drastically different. It's more than likely not going to be anything drastically different than what we've seen in Minnesota at quarterback in the last few years. There's an outside chance it's going to be AJ McCarron. Otherwise, I think it's a pretty good chance it's going to be Bridgewater, Bradford, or Keenum starting for the Vikings next year. And if you think if there was a Bridgewater, I mean, what kind of vet? I mean, maybe you could bring in some kind of, maybe you could bring in some kind of Josh McCown, you know, some kind of veteran like that. That's who you would hope to bring in, but I think there's a good chance he's going to get a deal done with the Jets. Maybe a Drew Stanton or something. I'm just trying to think of who was going to be, trying to think of who all is going to be. I mean, depending on what the Cardinals do, Stanton or or Gabbert may become available. It looks it looks like Chase Daniels up for free agency. That would be somebody to possibly consider in that sort of realm. I don't know. I I, I think I think that the I think it's going to be keep Bridgewater because you you got him under contract, and then do either do something with Keenum or see if you can get something done with AJ McCarron. I'm 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 with you. I'm not for you know breaking the bank on 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 Kirk Cousins there in that spot for or what the Minnesota Vikings have to do. It seems unlikely. I mean, I'll be interested to see what happens with the Bradford. See see what kind of contract he ends up getting. Uh, it's the final year of the rookie deal for Stephon Diggs. He's been playing for absolute peanuts. Um, he needs to get paid. Yeah, I mean they could always wait and franchise him after the season if they wanted to and have him prove it to him again this year. That's an option for them, but he's certainly going to be under review. He's certainly going to be asking for a raise this offseason. His agent will be, and rightfully so. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, he's due $8 million the next couple of years with not much dead money. I'll tell you what, we're finding out these tight ends that can block, even the Jermaine Greshams of the world, we're making 7 and $8 million a year. Right now, he's a good blocker and a, he's a high snap percentage guy. Every reason to believe he'll be right back where he is with Minnesota. Alex mentioned it. Anthony Barr is going into the fifth year of his uh, rookie deal, just like the Khalil Mack. That is the Khalil Mack, Jadavion Clowney, uh, Aaron Donald class going into their bunch- fifth year with Anthony Barr. What an unbelievable! I can't. Can you believe Anthony Barr turned into an inside linebacker? 
I mean, he's an unbelievable. Well, he's played just, all. He 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 can play all over the place. I mean, he can play outside linebacker too. He can play. Dude, he's he's an he's an unbelievable athlete. But yeah, I can't believe that he has that kind of versatility and that that ability to you know fit. He, dude, he can fit up lead blockers in the hole and come downhill and do all kinds of shit that you might not have thought he would have been able to do coming out of school as a guy who you projected as just a pure you know off the edge speed guy. He's unbelievable. A lot of credit to Mike Zimmer. Looks like it's going to be Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray for the next two years. Well, I was going to ask you, don't, don't you think they can get away from paying Latavius $6.3 million? I think they, they ask him I to think, take less cash. I think they can, but Dalvin's not making a whole bunch of money. McKinnon is leaving in free agency uh, this offseason or should be leaving in free agency this offseason. You know, with Dalvin coming off the ACL, it tells me Latavius is for sure going to be there this year. So yeah, then but we'll see. Gonna, Maybe right. next year they cut him after that if Dalvin's a workhorse and they've drafted somebody else. But I, I won't be surprised if he just plays out these two years on his contract while they have Dalvin under uh, contract for super cheap. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind if you are a Dalvin Cook owner, at least for well, this year. I'm, you know, I think this year I tapped the brakes on Dalvin Cook a little bit coming off the ACL. With Latavius, you know he's gonna get rolls. He, he's gonna he's gonna get touches. He's gonna get some goal lines. He's gonna he sucks. Vul- I mean, he and, sucks, but, but he's gonna vulture you in some spots this year. When Latavius, now here's the thing: we got to think about what happened this year with Minnesota. Latavius came into the season a little bit banged up, right? But he admitted very early on that you know he was the backup and Dalvin was the starter. Dalvin, you know, comes out of the gates super, super hot. By the time Latavius was back completely healthy, Dalvin had become a volume monster that they had never, you know, seen any reason for getting Latavius in there because Dalvin came in and he was a three-down back from the from the very get-go. He was a volume hog both in the in the rushing and the receiving game. Seeing him go down was just a huge, huge, huge kick in the nuts. For, I mean, for certainly for Vikings fans, but also for just football fans and fantasy players, because he was just so awesome to start the season. I just, it feels like all that volume was a little bit due to the circumstance of how the season started and him being able to get off to that hot start. You know, had it have been a situation where the roles were reversed and Maybe Dalvin was the one coming off a little bit of an injury and Latavius was the healthy one. The way that it's going to be this year, he might not have started out getting all of that volume. I think at some point, once Dalvin's healthy again, he's going to take that role completely over because putting Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray in the same sentence as as running backs, you know, as pure runners, is cockamamie. But I do think to start the season, it's going to be a little bit more muddled. They're going to probably ease him back in, and Latavius is going to get some of that work. And where do they like Latavius? They like him a ton at the goal line. It's going to hurt badly if if the times that Dalvin gets spelled uh, come in those critical goal line spots. Well, it's the thing. He's the bigger back of the two, of the combo. So he's not just going to vulture touchdowns. He's going to – I mean, he's not going to just vulture touches. He's going to vulture, you know, touchdowns. You know, however, you can turn the tables and you can also say that – in PPR, no Jarek McKinnon is a real boon for Dalvin Cook. Would you take a nice Mark, receiver? Would you take Mark Ingram or Dalvin Cook in best ball? Mark Ingram. Would you take Devontae Freeman or Dalvin Cook in best ball? Or I take Devontae Freeman. Would you take Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook? In, Best ball. McCaffrey. Really? What about Jordan Howard? Uh, Howard for sure. It's really close at McCaffrey. How about Kenyon Drake? I like Drake more. How about Mixon? I like Mixon. Really? Yeah. So yeah. So you're significant. What about Derrick Henry? Not knowing what's going to happen with Demarco. Right now, I'd take Dalvin probably in best ball. Would you take Dalvin Cook or Mike Evans? Oh man, that's tough. Dalvin Cook or AJ Green? Dalvin. 
Okay. I'm going to I'm going to make an adjustment to where Dalvin Cook is on the best ball cheat sheet here for 1.2 because I think that our conversation here has got me a little bit spooked about him just until we hear more about his progress. We're going to we're, we're going to need to bug Spielman about that. Oh, well, trust me, the first thing we're going to do is compile a huge list. Well, just just like the, always, <laughs> just exactly. like always. We, yeah. uh, so Jarius Wright's going to be around. He's going to continue to be around. So it'll be a it'll be an Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Jarius Wright for whatever quarterback ends up tossing around there. And that who does that leave? That leaves Laquan Treadwell with two more years on his rookie contract. Well, they're saying that they they're saying that reports have come out of Minnesota that they're that they're shopping him. Can you believe how much this thing's come full circle? All the work that we do for Roster Watch Nation, dude. We went to all those pro days, and we told you, dude, Laquan Treadwell at the top of these dynasty drafts, it's no good. Don't do it. He can't separate. And they're already they're they they could already be looking to ship that guy. Boy, they're not going to get anything in return. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get too much in return. But if not, if not, you keep him. If not, what does it hurt if he's your wide receiver for? On a rookie, is, on this rookie deal, what would this be? Year two, three. Year three, yeah. Year and three. then I think, uh, do they still have? Uh, do they still have? Is Michael Floyd coming back on contract? I don't know if I don't know what his deal is, but I, I'm pretty sure doesn't. I had him on the outside looking in. <laughs> it's probably about where you should have had him. <laughs> Let's move along. A L- little bit, little bit curious though about him. I'll, I'll make a little note about Michael Floyd for some of our Vikings discussion. Move along to the other domed and astroturfed uh, team in the black and blue division. They should all be up there, as far as I'm concerned, as a man who hates the cold. Boy, you are a man that really hates the cold. <laughs> That's true, dude. The Detroit Lions at number nine in the league with a, approximately $47 million in cap space. Let me buzz through a few things here. Marvin Jones is locked up and solid for the foreseeable future there with Detroit. Golden Tate heading into the final year of his deal. And he's going to be a free agent next season going on 31 years old. Guys, it's time to really make sure you're locked and loaded on Kenny Galladay. If somehow Golden Tate is out of this thing after next year. Kenny Galladay is going to go fucking bananas with Matthew Stafford. Uh, you have to remember that they picked up Eric Ebron's fifth-year option last year. I believe at $8 million this season, it could go either way. They could try to trade him during the draft. They could still cut him. You know, at $8 million, I'm not. they're not in – Desperate in cap space. There was Ebron was good at the end of the year. I think Ebron could very well be back. I think there's a multitude of options with Eric Ebron this year. Whether he's back in Detroit, Detroit beyond this year is the real question mark. That's why this would be the time to do something if they're going to do something uh, in Detroit. I certainly think this is a, a year where Detroit is going to look to draft a tight end. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, why not? Uh, and then there's there's the situation with uh, Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah. Uh, Theo Riddick is due about $4 million the next two years. It's a couple couple million in dead money this year, only $1 million in dead uh, next year. And then Amir Abdullah, how time flies, already heading into the final year of his rookie contract. Um, I want to say what I have $1.3 million here is what I believe I have written down for him. So... What does that tell me? It tells me the Detroit Lions, who have a good front office, a quarterback who's headed on the right trajectory, a good-looking roster and a good-looking team, they need a running back. They're going to the Detroit Lions are going to draft a running back, and I think they're going to draft a tight end this year. Um, and I'll tell you, Alex, of the running backs that we've seen so far that we've been scouting, I just think somebody like a Kalen Balazs in the third round would make a lot of sense for a team like the Detroit Lions. He could come in, get in the mix this year, and that guy could be ready to rock and roll as the lead back as soon as next year. Uh, be a really good fit on that fast track in Detroit in that wide-open offense. Don't you think that they'd like to get away from having these runners that all they can do is catch the football out of the backfield? and like? I don't know. I, I think that I think the kind of runner that they need would be somebody more maybe like a Rashad Penny. 
you know, with a little bit more, little bit more inside kind of, a little more inside chops to his game. It seems like they haven't had too much luck with these Amir Abdullahs, these, these Theo Riddicks, these guys that you use a lot as wide receiver. You know, but I was thinking out exact, as wide exactly though backs. that is the kind of running back that they always have. They've just not ever gotten the right one, and they maybe got, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And it's I, mean, always, I guess that makes sense. They've always taken on a bunch of pipsqueaks. Kalen Balaj is like. We said he he's did, not he's, a pipsqueak. He's, he's a got, athletic he, freak. Yeah. He's got some David Johnson and some Le'Veon Bell to his body type, even you know, and some Ty Montgomery. I mean, he 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 could be like finally a real NFL man size version of, of that these type pipsqueaks. of running back right. they've been putting back there. Maybe there's a reason right. they go to that because Matt Matt Stafford's a wide open quarterback that can really throw this ball around, and that having a player like that's a real weapon in the league if he can, you know. Is he going to turn into David Johnson that can become a workhorse? I don't know. I just think with that mold and their lack of size, but the fact that they've got two guys locked up this year, I mean, he a player like that to me makes some sense in the mid-rounds given what they've done. But, hey, look, I would never hate it if you know you got somebody like a Rashad Penny who can just get north and south on you. You know, run these zone plays and just be a really just solid in terms of a, of a running back. You know, any of that's good. But uh, I don't know. I think as soon as we see which running back gets drafted there, it's not a matter of if, I think when. That's going to be exciting for the Dynasty rookie draft cheat sheet. And I'd say for now, the, the thing that I'm most interested in is Kenny Galladay in Dynasty um, has a really promising outlook with Golden Tate uh, having free agency on the horizon just after after this season, man. Here's a, gro- here, here's a gross question. Would you rather own Paul Perkins or Amir Abdullah in Dynasty? <laughs> Probably Abdullah, and I, it's, okay. it just sucks. It's a pretty tough thing. To, it's a hurtful thing to have I to mean, you think might about. Just, those might be guys <laughs> you just cut. Just to, <laughs> it hurts, yeah. Right? Yeah, it hurts. I mean, he could hold up Dula. He could end up in the right situation on another team next year and all of a sudden be a little fire plug for somebody that knows what the hell they're doing with them. But, you know, not somebody I'm I'm building my dynasty futures around. <laughs> yeah, I, I should hope not. You want to move on to the uh, the Bears or something, or is there anybody else yeah, that you want to get Bears to? Yeah, we got Bears and Green Bay Packers. I'll just buzz through them both. Um Chicago Bears, $39 million plus in cap space. Uh, you guys know I've been on the uh, on the hunt for where it is that Jarvis Landry is going to go in free agency when he departs Miami, as we believe he will. Um, I, I've been, the Jets are my front runner at this point. You got to put the Bears right up there with them. Uh, they've got... Marcus Wheaton at $6 million, the last year of his deal, deal, only $1 million in dead money. He could easily be cut. Kevin White. Yeah, he sh- he needs to be cut. He's gone. He's as good as gone. I guarantee it right here on the podcast. Kevin, White, has, Kevin White has been a total disaster. I don't, we'll, I don't, we'll see if they exercise his fifth-year option or not. You know, will he be there this season? That he he may have to be. They may need him to be this year, there this year, and it may make sense for him to stay. I think he's five million on the books, five million dead. So there's, I think there's a good chance Kevin White is still around this year. But you know, look, Kendall Wright is a free agent. So right now they're you're not going to pay Marcus Wheaton. Right now the Bears are Mitch Trubisky is looking at a thing that's with Tanner Gentry and Kevin White, and you just start saying, okay, wait a second. Once they cut Mike Glennon, which they're definitely gonna do, we've said all along this was gonna happen. We've been saying for weeks before this hit the media that was gonna happen. This is gonna drive their cap space up to fifty million dollars. All of a sudden, guys like Jarvis Landry come right into focus. If somebody like Allen Robinson were to hit free agency, which I do not believe he will, we've told you on a previous podcast, we're almost certain the Jaguars will do everything they can to keep Allen Robinson in house. If he were to come out on the free agent market, those are guys that I can see the Bears. Going big on. So uh, Jarvis would be a wonderful fit with a player like Trubisky. That's a that's a beautiful marriage between quarterback and wide receiver. And I know Alex would like it, certainly under the new uh, offensive uh, coach Nagy there. Uh, I've also, for some reason, Alex had a lot of, and this is not founded in any kind of 
I've had a lot of visions for some reason of Marquise Lee ending up a Chicago Bear. I kind of have too. I don't know why. I've had those. I've had visions about Marquise Lee. I've had some weird kind of visions about Sammy Watkins. I, but I, I just pictured Sammy Watkins being Nagy's new Tyreek Hill there in that uh, there in that offense. What I think could end up happening is that Tariq Cohen is the one that ends up being the real Tyreek Hill. Uh, even though he plays the running back position and not the wide receiver position. Yeah, you know, we'll see. And maybe they don't score on any of those guys. Maybe they come back and bring Kendall Wright back in the fold on a small deal. I mean, he was one of their better little... Maybe Kevin White finally gets something going. Yeah, Maybe Kevin White finally lives up to it. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, just based on the circumstances, Kevin White's going to have a huge opportunity here. So if I could acquire Kevin White as a throw-in or for next to nothing in some kind of dynasty deal. You can. Then I you would. You can. Then I would. Look, M- Mitch uh, Trubisky is a fucking G, dude. He's a good quarterback. I mean, he's, he's, he's not a good quarterback yet, but he's going to be a good quarterback. Oh, yes, he is. I certainly think he's going to be a good quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I take my chances on a cheap Kevin White right now as a throw-in on a trade. Absolutely, I would. That's actually come into focus right here uh, live on the pod. And, you know, the other thing to consider is I can't believe that they're paying – these fucking tight ends paying Dion Sims. I put my note here was, man, they must really like him internally. He's – He's making $6 million a year with very little dead money associated. I know they do have the rookie Adam Shaheen from last year, and some Bears fans have been badgering us on Twitter about the idea of maybe a sneaky Jimmy Graham ending up there somewhere in Chicago. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. That's not the kind of player they need with the Shaheen. But uh, what do you make of that tight end situation? I like Shaheen much better than than, uh, Deion Sims. So I'd say, I mean, Shea, I mean um, they they started acting like they wanted to get the football to to Shaheen in, in the red zone and in the end zone towards the end of last season before he got a little bit banged up. Where so, do you have Kevin White and Adam Shaheen on a best ball sheet? Uh, let's see, Shaheen is uh, up to where you're gonna you're going to get him. I have him above. I mean, I have him. You, this might not sound that high, but I have him above guys like Austin Safarian Jenkins and Austin Hooper. I have him above Jesse James, Tyler Croft. Um, I have him in the same tier as guys like Trey Burton, Jared Cook, and Jason Witten. So we're extremely high on Shaheen. Uh, Kevin White, probably not quite as high on. I have him in a tier. I mean, he's with, the kind of guy that could be like a quintessential best ball guy, right? Late. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I have uh, Kevin White in the tier of – you know, same tier with a guy who we're pretty high on and Jakeem Grant. Um, same tier as Paul Richardson. Same tier as the rookie Deion Kane, Danny so you're, Amendola. You're pretty high on him then. You're pretty high mm. on him. Okay. A uh, little bit high. I mean, not really that high. It's probably around the only the point in time where you'd be taking guys like running backs like the Doug Martins of the world or maybe, you know, reaching a little bit for an Elijah McGuire. Well, well, but sort of in the, sort of in that tier. Well, Maybe we could get a little higher on him, I guess. No, I think it's good while we're talking about it. Where are you on Kenny Galladay? Oh, well, I was actually just looking at him as you were kind of talking about him. I mean, I have Kenny Galladay above Ted Ginn Jr., above Dante Moncrief, um, above uh, – I have him back-to-back with – basically, I have him back-to-back with Corey Coleman. Um, I want him above guys like Terrell Pryor, Cameron Meredith, Mike Wallace, Zay Jones, rookies like Equinemius St. Brown, um, you know, DJ Moore, Auden Tate, any of those guys. I wanted more than any Jeremy Macklin. Um, the guys who were kind of around him and a little bit above are, like I mentioned, Corey Coleman, Kenny Stills, Josh Doxson. That's sort of that kind of range. Do you think he belongs above Josh Doxson? That's probably about right, man. Kenny Galladay could have a mega breakout. I, I mean, uh, right now we're as far as where his ADP is right now on the draft app, which will change a little bit whenever we start getting MFL ten data in, uh, because that'll include rookies. The draft app doesn't include rookies, I guess, presumably until after the uh, after the NFL draft. But uh, as far as you know, his ADP right now is one thirty four point six. 
I mean, I have him going ahead of guys like Mohamed Sanu, who has a 104.3 ADP. Um, so I think that he's, I feel like he's priced in uh, pretty well for where, you know, where we're going to be likely to get him. I think that you're going to be faced with scenarios where you're going to be looking at maybe taking a guy like him or taking another guy who we're pretty high on in a Devontae Booker. You know, I, I'd say take certainly take Kenny Gaudi before an Amir Abdullah, before a Paul Perkins, um, before a Kalen Balazs, who we mentioned a little bit earlier. I think that the kind of um, – I think that uh, – let me ask you, would you take Rashad Penny or or Kenny Galladay in a best ball league? Oh, probably Rashad Penny. What about Latavius or Kenny Galladay? All guys we've talked about here on the pod. Might take Galladay there. What about Wayne Gallman or Kenny Galladay? Kenny Galladay. Because the Giants are going to add a running back. Okay. Yeah, I'll make a, I'm going to make a little change here then with the running backs. I'll just make a little note. So 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 anything else with the Bears? So Wheaton no. definitely gone. I mean, anything – nothing with the runners. I don't think they're going to probably draft anybody. They got two great running backs that are under – Still under contract uh, for at least Jordan Howard's got to be on contract for what uh, next two? Do, do they have him for two more years? Yeah, this is his second year, and he was a he was not a first round draft pick. So it was a four year rookie contract. Ooh, boy, dude, boy, are they paying him peanuts? Six hundred ninety two thousand this year. <laughs> He's such a beast. If he could just yeah. catch the damn football, man. Yeah. What about the Packers? A lot about the Packers. Uh, Packers have 19 million in cap space. They've got guys like Clinton Dix going into their last year, their rookie contract. He's obviously a huge priority for them. Uh, Clay Matthews at 31 years old, doing a bunch of commercials on TV, heading into the final year of his contract, $11 million with zero debt associated. You wonder... Wonder what the future holds for Clay Matthews this offseason and behind there in Green Bay. And then Lance Kendrick's final year of his deal, $2.2 million on the books and only about a half a million dead associated with it. So uh, what we know is we know that Aaron Rodgers is uh, locked up for the next two at $21 million. Of course, he's angling. Which is laughable. He's, he's, ang- gonna need- <laughs> he's angling for one last mega extension, either this offseason or next offseason. It's going to happen for him. Um, Devontae Adams is locked up uh, as a young stud at wide receiver there for Rodgers. Uh, you know, Randall Cobb, we've always said it, this is the year that he's probably gone. He's $13 million on the books, only $3 million in dead money. They could clear up $10 million in cap space by giving Randall Cobb the old heave-ho. And like I said, it'll be the ultimate sign of how shitty your organization is if they are the one that goes out and overpays for Randall Cobb on the uh, open market once he does get the axe in Green Bay. And then, look, I think Jordy Nelson is – going to play the year out in Green Bay, but he is the sneaky guy that you hear some rumbling about at $12.5 million with only a couple million dead associated with him, uh, 33 years old this season. You know, do they let him play the year out? Do they extend him? Some people have, have intimated, do they consider cutting him? Uh, I think he's probably back. It's hard for me not to imagine Jordy Nelson being back. Uh, a Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson with the Packers. But look, this brings Ty Montgomery square into focus. Now that you've got, I mean, he is in the final year of his rookie deal at only $800,000. But at least for this year, if you're going to have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams as your primary running backs, which that is going to be the case, then all of a sudden Ty Montgomery really comes back into focus maybe at a key spot at, at a wide at the wide receiver position maybe also still getting some touches out of the backfield but in a because less you think because you think that Gutenkunst is going to probably see that 12.7 million dollar figure for Randall Cobb with only 3.2 million dead associated and say maybe we could move Ty Montgomery into the slot and not have to overpay yeah, this dude absolutely. they're going to need they're going to need to yeah. figure why would you ever pay Randall Cobb that money when you've got Ty Montgomery for 800 grand 
could do the same damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make any sense, right? And it so makes, it makes it would make zero sense to me. I think, and uh, I mean, I think the Ty Montgomery could be pretty good out of the slot. Well, I look, I, I and I and I think for our fantasy purposes, it would clear a lot of things up. It would still be a two-headed beast there, probably. But I think there's probably a situation where Aaron Jones pulls out ahead at some point. But it would not be. Do you be think a Aaron three-headed. Jones is going to pull out ahead of Jamal Williams? At some point, I do. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. At some point, I do. Boy, that's going to be a big, I, I, I that's a fun one to I, watch. I, I I think that I think that they might always go to Jamal Williams as 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 the weather gets colder up there, and as you just need a guy who can get who can get through that slog, and it doesn't matter if he doesn't have quite the same explosive burst as as, as the other. But I think before the weather turns too icy and the weather gets too snowy, I think that Aaron Jones. I mean, you saw what he did versus the Cowboys. I mean, Jamal Williams has some sick. Yeah, no, I mean he had some sick games too. I'm I'm trying to think. He had the one he had a really big game versus the Texans, or was that the Texans? I forget which which one it was, but I think it was the Texans. Whenever Brett Hundley was in there, I thought that they was both, the big Jamal Williams. I thought they but, both flashed sickness at times, and I think they both flashed times where they looked like maybe they were rookies that were guys that weren't always going to be just full time workhorses in the league we'll see what do we say about the Packers every year they need five running backs every year to me this means that (laughs) Ty Montgomery is still going to get touches out of the backfield next year it just puts him in a less vulnerable situation you don't want him getting all those touches out of the backfield but a Ty Montgomery that takes over a big role in the slot and then all of a sudden is still getting some handful of touches out of the backfield I like that's a sustainable role a much more sustainable role for Ty Montgomery that that we would like so I think he's a sneaky guy to have on the radar right now. Um, the other guy I thought was a little sneaky, but Packers fans kind of shot me down on Twitter saying that he's been a real – they think he's been a real jag. But I wondered if this started to open up an opportunity in Dynasty for somebody like Trevor Davis, who was a decent wide receiver prospect coming out, who had big-time speed. What was it coming out of Cal? I know he's done Cal. Da- damage for them on the uh on special teams but with look Ty Montgomery's final year Cobb probably gone Nelson is very up in the air you know the only guy that's for sure is Devontae Adams so it makes you think about the young guys like Montgomery and Davis and you know Davis is still locked up for I think another couple years at least another two years I want to say they need to draft wide receivers and those wide receivers should be happy to go there, but 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 they need some better talent along the bottom of this roster, some better developmental talent. It's time to get it's time, you know. It's too, it's been too many of these Jeff Janises and Jared Aberderis's and Trevor Davises and Geronimo Allison's. These guys are no good. They need better talent at the bottom of that roster because it's going to be that. I mean, Jordy Nelson's window is about to close. Randall Cobb is about to be gone. Great, you have Devonte Adams locked up. But Ty Montgomery's contract's about to be up. Like you have one of the best passers in the history of the National Football League. You got you you gotta have some good developmental talent kind of coming up the pipeline. They're gonna they're they're gonna draft wide receiver do you remember, in this draft. Do you remember the days when they, they used to tell us that Nick Perry couldn't make the club in the tub? Have you looked down at his contract? It's just so funny <laughs> to see how the how the tables turn in this thing so quickly. And you start to wonder, look, Clay Matthews probably towards the very end of things here or, or or could be you start to say man the Packers man they, they might need a pass rusher they might still need some help along that front seven they may need a tight end they may need some wide receivers now so I wonder how much different their approach to free agency is going to be now that now that Ted Thompson has, has moved on to it or has been forced into a different role I wonder if this is all going to be done through the draft or whether they're going to be a little bit more open to bringing on some bigger-name free agents. It'll be interesting to see. It's a, it's a big-time changing of the guard there in Green Bay. One of the things I'm most interested in seeing is uh, getting to actually address Gutekunst and you know, just kind of see the type of, see the type of duty is. You know, it's, been, it's been eight years there at the Combine uh, and through the Pro Day circuit and everything of pestering Ted, you know, pestering Ted Thompson, maybe – um, Gutekunst will be somebody who's a little bit easier to get information out of. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'm not holding my breath, but uh, uh, what? what do you, how much harder can it be to get information out of somebody than than, than Thompson? <laughs> it can certainly doesn't get any harder than that. 
Say the last thing that I saw was good for Aaron Rodgers was does look like he has a pretty solid offensive line in place at the moment coming back from the injury this last season. So good good news for them uh, up front, at least for A-Rodge. All right, so that that'll go ahead and do it unless you got anything else, Byron. We talked some best ball during the during the program. We're going to get to a whole lot of more uh, prospect talk and sort of talk about our personal models, trash man's models, some of these production models and um, some of the stuff that we're going to be doing to capture some awesome data through the NFL offseason for all of our proprietary and winning tools at rosterwatch.com. Uh, just another reminder, if you guys enjoy the podcast, the best thing that you can do to support us is going to rosterwatch.com and getting a pro membership. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee, and you are supporting our maniacal endeavors to make sure that you know everything that you need to know to be a winner in fantasy football, be it in redraft leagues, be it in dynasty leagues, be it in DFS leagues. We are here to help. We love you guys. We cannot thank you enough. So uh, for Byron Lambert, for the Trash Man, for the Robot Genius, and for all of Roster Watch Nation, my name is Alex Dunlap. This has been the Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. We will see you next time. Next time.